Welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for episode 10. We've got the special Cox Plate edition, and I'm joined by Blake once again. How are you, mate? Good, Jason. Good, Jason. We're uh, deep into the, the spring racing now, and every weekend it just gets better and better, it looks like. So more exciting racing this weekend. Yes. Grand final day is only, what are we now? 12 more sleeps to the Melbourne Cup. Cannot wait for that. Anyway, as always, we're going to go back to last week and do our Saturday review. And oh, I feel like a broken record. I just continue repeating myself week after week. Best bets, once again, two from two. Absolute fill-up. Absolute fill-up. Got to start with my Let's one. Go. Let's fucking go. JC, trial file, Tal Grabar, whatever you want to call him. I, I still don't know where Narrow is. <laughs> I don't even know where Narrowmine is, but we're just calling Mr. T. I should really do an edit with like Mr. T's head with his little, little mohawk, like on the <laughs> horse, just running along. But he, he opened a dollar seventy. I told you to wait, top tote. We got three sixty, so very happy there. And Blake, take it away with your best bet. That one down the outside, flourish. How good was promise of success, baby? That was hot. That was so hot. Nah, uh, from uh, from I can't even remember the first time I saw that that uh that mare race, but. From the first time I saw her run, I, I was I was very very confident that um that the ability was there to step up to stakes class and now we've seen you know it was only I think it was only like a benchmark seventy eight but a win like that from around the field puts the riding on the wall for a for a step up in grade and I think John O'Shea in her, in the interview after the race said that that was the plan to go to a a big race which you know doesn't really surprise me after a win like that, but I was drifted to like sixes or something before the race as well. It was like 280 when I tipped it on, on the podcast. So if anyone got on sort of as the get out stakes, uh, uh Ramwick there, man, absolute fill up. They were shouting your name out from the stands. There was 10,000 people <laughs> there. Go Blake, kick your dog. But anyway, promise of success. No, she, yeah, she's a listed winner in coming, maybe even group winner, group three, lower tier group. Three winner. Wouldn't mind, hopefully, in a couple more years' time when we have the money from this podcast that we'll be making us to maybe buy a foal from her or something. So <laughs> but, um, that's that's time. Time will only tell. But um, anyway, we've got to go back to the group ones. First of all, we've got to speak about incentivize first just because of the we sheer do. dominance. That was, in my opinion, the best win I think I've ever seen since doing horse racing form, it was just absolutely off the charts. What about you, Blake? Yeah. Um, nothing else to say apart from arrogant and abusive to the rest of the field. Like, <laughs> Domestic no joke, like, like, I think like most people were like pretty well aware that it was a weak, like Caulfield cup field, like can compared to some of the fields that we've had in Caulfield cups, you know, in like the re in the last decade, like, it wasn't really that much depth to it and incentivized just was when you know what you're fucking right i'm gonna shit in and just smash everyone else and prove to everyone that 
you're exactly right. There's no, there's just no depth to this field. And I'm like lengths, lengths better. And now like he's got 57 for the Melbourne cup. And I, I sent you this message as soon as, the, as soon as that horse won on the weekend, Jason, it's setting up to be a really, really, really big uh, potential finish to the uh, Melbourne cup. If he, uh, if he can top it off there, that, um, that would really put him in as probably one of the one of the greats really to do that but um it's exciting and even peter moody said like um you know he, he doesn't even know really where the where the uh where the end is for incentivize like we could see incentivize win the cup and then continue you know to just progress so it's it's honestly really 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 exciting yeah i think i learned my lesson there i, I took him on and yeah, to be fair to me, everything that I said actually did did transpire where he was wired the entire trip. However, he just, as you said, arrogant, absolutely arrogant. And I've learned my lesson. I'm never, ever, ever in my life going to take that horse on ever again. Because as, <laughs> as Blake just said, if he wins the if he wins the Melbourne Cup, he's gonna go down as one of the greatest horses to ever bloody live. Um and, and the, yeah, as, as Blake said again, the scary thing is God knows when he's going to stop. It's just just ridiculous but it's obviously very exciting and you know he might be one of those horses that we could he might be that good and hopefully the owners do it i know the owners are very out there but oh, i just would love to see australian horse go overseas and compete in some stain events you know in england we haven't seen one for ages go over there so oh yeah. I, well, I did see i was reading an article about incent uh, this is probably the last thing i'll say about this because we're spending way too much time bragging blabbling on about incentivize but um, the the rating from that Caulfield Cup win apparently would have put him fourth in the in the arc. So that you know, <laughs> if he continues to improve, like what's he going to do win an arc next? Like seriously, exactly. Anyway, we got to talk about another enigmatic horse, but on his day, the best sprinter in Australia, and he finally gets that Everest crown. <laughs> He's been so deserving to get he's won every single sprint race you can think of the manicardo the tj the just everything i can't even think of any other races and now he's finally won his everest nature's trip well done to you buddy uh what about how do you see that uh race transpire blake i don't want to spend too much time talking about this race jason um <laughs> anyone who listened to the podcast last week knows that i was i was very very uh quite or yeah, I was, I was pretty confident that Mars Crusader would run a race and he did just that. Um, and it was really the horse's own doing to miss the start, but had he not missed it, you know, how, how much closer would it have been? You know, the, he, oh, he got all the breaks and everything, but far out, that was a, that was a barnstorming finish. And I was up out of my chair screaming when I saw him flying through the middle. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, all honors to nature strip. He, um, finally got that win on the board. And I think, you know, having watched the race a few times now, watching it back, he was pretty lucky not to have as much pressure as it looked like he might get on paper. Like Eduardo chose to sit like fourth and, you know, a lot of the other horses who potentially could have pushed for the lead decided against that, um, which, you know, you still have to win it even when, even when those things do work in your favor, but he did have a few things in his favor and, you know, that's racing. Sometimes you get those things. Sometimes you don't, he was there to win it and he did. So all honest to him, but. Um... To be fair, he earned that right because in previous editions, yeah, they've just gone way too crazy. And 
great ride from J-Mac, sat wide for most of the race, um, finally got in around the 700, 800 metres, but yeah, like nothing taken away from Nature Street. Mars Crusade, obviously unlucky, but when you have that racing style, it's got to happen all the time to you. Um, but anyway, we'll move on to this week. I think that's what we've got to focus on now. That's what people are tuning in to listen to. Uh, we've got to cover two tracks. First of all, we'll cover Mooney Valley uh, for the track conditions, weather and bias. The weather tomorrow is going to be 24 degrees and raining. The rail's in the true position. Uh, there's actually five to 10 millimeters of rain predicted um, from 5 p.m. onwards. So that's got to obviously have a massive impact on the track um, on Saturday and maybe even Friday. So um, um, it's currently a good four. No idea what we're going to be playing on for Friday or Saturday. It depends when the weather actually does decide to show up. Uh, any track bias of note, Blake? No, don't don't even. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to try and try and guess what the Death Valley is going to throw up tomorrow and Saturday. It's, it's anyone's guess, really. Yeah, watch and assess, punters. Anyway, we'll head to the first race on Friday, race seven, the Group One Manicato Stakes over 1,200 meters. It's a very open race betting wise. We currently have um, Lombardo and Savo to excel. They're both very firm at the top of the market, around the four dollars sixty to five dollar mark. Um, speed map, Blake, run us through some of the speed horses in this race and what we can expect. Um, well, Savo to Excel will be up there. There's, uh, I think, I mean, when I first looked at this speed map, I thought like there are a lot of horses who will go forward, but there aren't any, or there aren't, doesn't look like there's really any that will 100% be like out and out for the lead. It looks like there's a lot of horses who will be happy to, or will, you know, be determined to sit in the front, you know, few pairs, but doesn't look like there's any who will be like, okay, I'm 100% taking this up. The only one that I can really say will do that is Savage to Excel, maybe another, maybe a few more out wide who just kind of have to have to roll the dice and push for that lead. Um, like we've seen Linda Meach do it a few times already um, over spring. So she might be intending on doing that with the way game. We'll see what, what happens there. But like La Mexicana, Streets of Avalon, Savage to Excel, Away Game, Jonka, Lombardo, Crystal Bound, they all sit close to the speed, but none of them are really kind of out and out leaders. So it'll be interesting. I don't think they'll really like run along because there's not really any of those horses that are going to sprint straight for the lead. I can see this panning out as like, you know, horses four or five wide around the first turn up the front, but none of them really going crazy to try and lead. They'll all just be kind of waiting to see what happens and no one makes a decision. Yeah. No, oh, I'm anti that theory personally. I think there's a lot of speed in this race. Um, I don't think Jonka's got to pass up from an inside decent barrier. I think there's horses such as Crystal Bound, something on 51 kilos from barrier two. I don't think, I don't think that run's got to... Uh, I just think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a high-pressure race personally. And for that reason, um, I'm anti Lombardo here. I just think it's just way too soon you're carrying 58 and a half kilos you're at weight for age level now in a group one i know it's a very very weak group one and it's probably laughable that it is a group is, is get like it's getting named a group one but oh carrying 52 and a half and a benchmark 84 i know he won that race absolutely amazingly and he broke the clock that night but oh like seriously now come on now like i'm happy to have egg on my face but yeah until, until you've proven you can do it, I'm very happy to be against you. So I'm going with Jonka. I'm happy to forgive both runs this preparation. 
I just didn't think he could handle the straight track at Flemington. I had no idea why he was favouring that race. I did try I did try and take him on, and I think I got egg on my face. I've got to I backed in that race, but it wasn't wasn't one of the winners. Let's I gotta show you of that. Um, I thought he'd run the premier was very good. If you watched the replay, it was absolutely no luck whatsoever. It was wouldn't say it was traveling like he was gonna do something. However, he got eased down over the last hundred meters. He never even Nash never really even tried to get out on him. Um, and this has always been the the race that Tony Gollan has circled. He's he's been talking about this race for this horse for at least two months now. And he finally gets here. And to be fair, he's facing the weakest field he could hope for. He's had two runs at group one level. He's come second and third. He's come second in the Kings uh, in the Kingsford Smith over 1300 meters, which is not his go. It was an absolutely brave effort at Eagle Farm um, behind Vega one and Signore Fox. And he's also come third to Eduardo. So that's obviously Everest forms considering Eduardo's run fifth, uh, fourth in an Everest. Um, I think the other one here possibly Savage to excel, but I'm against Lombardo. I'm in Jonker's corner, and I'm happy to play him each way. I think he's a great price, personally. What about you, Blake? Okay, well, I'll have the eggs ready for when Lombardo shits in. Throw them at me. <laughs> Throw them at me. I, um, I personally can't really see any reason why Lombardo shouldn't be shorter. I think Lombardo should be a clear favourite in this race. And the reason I believe that is although he hasn't, you know, proven himself up in the you know the group one quality level like you said Jonka has he's pretty much like one of the only horses in this field who is actually like consistently flying this preparation or you know in his last few runs like Savage to excel one first up and everyone who listens consistently knows I don't like backing horses off their first up wins and I personally thought watching Savage to excel's win that he could have put them away a lot more easily had he uh been a little bit you know like he got the he got the run he got the right run there he didn't have to do kind of any work there and he only won by 0.1 of a length to dosh which is not really any kind of strong form um but the way lombardo has been winning has just been like really arrogant in my opinion the win at mooney valley by four lengths was ridiculous 52 and a half kilos but winning by four lengths is still winning by four lengths. He beat front page and he beat Rainbill, who came out of one yesterday. So I think, although it's not premier, premier form, it's still good enough form for me. I think, you know, I'd rather be with Lombardo who's stepping up in grade, but is going extremely well and looks like he has plenty and plenty of upside versus horses who just don't look to have come back or been going as well this prep, like ingratiating had two good runs, but that, that ninth by six and a half, six and a half lengths down the Flemington straight is just not a run. I want to be backing a horse off. Um, Jonkar, same thing. The two runs have been all right. The last one was a little bit better, but I, they didn't really stand out to me at all. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, Jason, this is a pretty, pretty weak field. So given that it's like Lombardo is not really up contesting a group one. He's contesting more of like a group two or three quality field anyway. So if, you know, if he if he was coming into a, a race that was actually written as a as a group two or group three race, you'd be saying, okay, he's earned his he's earned his right to con contest this race, having won three races back to back to back, and you know this is you know the natural next step. Just because it's a group one, it's like it's not really group one quality anyway. So I don't really think that um, there's any kind of knocks. For Lombardo, at least the way I looked at it. And I think he gets the run of the race here. He's shown that he can 
take up the lead, but he can also take a sit. And like you said, if there is a strong pace, he's going to be the one sitting right in behind it from barrier three. John McNeil's one of the best jockeys in Melbourne at the moment, or even in Australia. Uh, he's riding out of his skin all, all kind of season. So I'm happy that he's on board. And um, yeah, I think Lombardo is going to be the one to beat. I, I really, really do. Um, Sabato Excel can run well, but like I said, second up off that first up win, I'm not a, I'm not a fan personally. Um, and the other thing I just want to mention as well is uh, this this works in the favour of, of Jonker as well, is horses towards kind of the top um, in terms of the weights and horses who have, you know, uh, the, like the older kind of horses in this race are typically the ones that run better. Um, so that's the way I looked at it. And so I'm, I, I've, yeah, I've gone with Lombardo on top, but I also thought Express Pass would be a good chance. Uh, Express Pass has run two really, really good races at Mooney Valley in his, in his two runs here so far, winning and running second. Um, and I, and I really, really think Express Pass is flying at the moment. I really do. The last run down the straight was, not really the ideal setup, I think, for Express Pass, but he did close off extremely well. Um, and I, I think if the speed is really hot, Express Pass will be the one finishing off around the outside. All right, beautiful. That's our thoughts for the Manicato on Friday night. Can't wait for that race. Obviously, Blake and I have differing opinions, so we'll both have eggs in our hands ready to throw them at <laughs> Vice versa. Anyway, we'll head to Saturday, and this could be... Oh, who the hell knows what's going to happen by race nine? It could be a bloody soft seven, the inside absolutely gone, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for here. But we've got the Group 1 Cox Plate over 2,040 metres, one of the greatest races on the racing calendar. We have Zaki as the current $2.90 favourite. It's a bit of a matchup between the heavyweights here. Zaki versing Very Elegant versing Animo. Whose corner out of those three do you sit in and why, Blake? Um... I'm I'm with very elegant, and the only gives and he forgets. It's it's really it's really difficult to kind of be extremely confident given she had that um, unexpected run last time. But given the fact that she was two ten against incentivize, and we've seen what incentivize is going to do, I just naturally have to kind of trust that SP and that form. Very Elegant is the horse coming into this race that clearly has the best credentials from a career and from a from like a, a form point of view for this race. It might be there's there's not a single horse that has even close to the quality in terms of previous runs with that very elegant has. And I don't think that's really something that anyone can debate. She's this is she's going for a 10th group one now. I know Animo has been, you know, running well every single time but he's only a three-year-old um he's coming from the the mile race at caulfield so personally uh, the thing that the thing that steered me off animo for me personally was the fact that he's now coming up to the the 2000 meters off a race which was i think pretty clearly his grand final um that's not to say that he won't obviously run well again but when um, when horses come into races that are 400 meters longer than their grand finals were, I, I have to have a little bit of a query on them, um, regardless of what weight they're carrying or any of that sort of stuff. So I've stuck with very elegant just based purely on the fact that she's had one bad run before that everything was tip top. She's been running extremely good races. There are potential excuses for her. Like you can't 
obviously know why she, why she ran the way she did last time over the 2000 meters, but stepping up from the mile, um, she had a really kind of hard hit out run uh, over the final stages of that mile run at Ramwick. Whatever the, whatever the kind of explanation is moving from Sydney to Melbourne, sometimes that just, you know, it takes a little bit of time for them to uh, find their feet going the other way or whatever it is. But I trust that Chris Waller is going to have very elegant ready to bounce back. And that's been kind of the narrative going on in the news. So I'm backing that and I've taken very elegant at almost double figures um, early doors. So I'm happy to be on that. Um, the other horses that I had a little bit of interest in were Mawunga. I think Mawunga is going really, really, really well this prep. Every single run's been great. Um, I've been backing him and I've been following him. I was on him last time from barrier 13. He ran an absolute blinder of a race to, to go down 1.6 lengths when you're like four wide, the trip with no cover is, is absurd in my opinion. Um, and I, I don't have any queries that he'll run the trip or any of that sort of stuff. I'm glad Hugh Bowman's on, uh, he's come from Sydney to Melbourne to ride the carnival. So, um, I'm, yeah, I like Mawunga at the, at the, at the longer odds and I also have a bit of time for Probabil. The only kind of query for Probabil was, was running out the trip. And that would have been, you know, back when she was running over the, the 1400 meters mile kind of range and she's run well at 1800 meters and then one at 2000 meters beating the current favorite. So I can't really see why probability should be that price. Even, you know, even if Zaki is kind of a more consistent horse and Zaki had that one off day or whatever, and Zaki bounces back. The fact that probability beat her fair and square, beat him fair and square is ridiculous. I think that probability is 14 and Zaki's three. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what, which way are you looking at it, Jace? Um, well, as I've said a couple of times on this podcast, and maybe to people that have sent me messages and whatnot, there a lot of people have asked me, how did you see Zaki's last run? How did you see Very Elegant's last run? I was waiting for a steward's report. I was waiting for something to be up with the vets because visually they were both very, very, very plain. And that's even putting it nicely. I thought they were both terrible, terrible. I know, obviously, Zaki's ran third in, the, in a group one and, you know, very elegant ran fourth. But the horses that beat him, you just scratch your head. And, obviously, there's hype around him. And, the, you know, the SP, very short in both those races. Um, however, I have learnt to forgive, but I can't forget those runs. This, they're in the back of my mind. And I'm happy to go against both of them here. Uh, I'm going to stick with – or not stick with. I'm going I'm to jump back on the three-year-old here, Animo. Uh, three-year-olds, I've always thought this is a race that three-year-olds can win. And we've seen in the past, um, Castel Vecchio came second in this race two years ago uh, to the Japanese horse, Lise Grassaw, Grace Bracewa, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think Animo's better than Castel Vecchio. I think this is a weaker race. Uh, Internationals had a great record on this race. So I was really looking at Gold Trip. However, um, I did actually lock in Gold Trip as my bet in this race. I was going to have 50 each way on him. However, the, the vet report has come in over the last 30 minutes before we even filmed this show. Um, and he's pulled up lame. Um, he, he was lame when he came to Australia first um, in the first couple of days when, was, when he arrived. Um, and he's pulled up lame again, and he's most likely going to get scratched, as is the Kiwi horse, Calcine Mab. So, um, yeah, we might only have eight runners in this Cox plate, which is quite sad, but it's still a great Cox plate. As you said, Moonga is flying. I would have liked to see him go to the Golden Eagle. I thought that was his race to lose in my opinion now he's now he's going to a wait for age cox plate race which is I think, just a stupid 
place placement in my opinion. But you know what? I've been proven to be wrong before and I do have very strong views. But yeah, this is just absolutely ridiculous. That that's that golden eagle, that race, for more money was he's racically taken, in my opinion. But all right, whatever. Um so yeah, I'm with Animo. I think Barrier Ten will be a good thing come day two, race nine. There's going to be already, I think, 18 races throughout the program. Um, and yeah, I think the inside's got to chop out. The rain's coming. I uh, don't care how much rain, there will be rain, whether it, whether it be like two or three mils or whether it be you know 10, 20 mils. So that inside will chop out eventually. I think Barrier Ten, absolutely perfect. You can see him sweeping the field, 49 and a half kilos. You know, Zaki's giving him nine and a half kilos. Very elegant's giving him seven and a half kilos. That's just too much of a weight difference in this race, in my opinion. Massive queries on Zaki before I just finish up here. Zaki going the Melbourne way, massive queries. I just don't think he handles the Melbourne way. He's just, I know he won that Underwood Stakes Group One level beat probability, but you know Blake and I were speaking before the before the podcast, and I thought it was a very average win. And I know he only was, was only at probably eighty percent, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too good. And that obviously last time the bubble burst. Um, I've I've seen a lot of jockeys and whatnot come out and question that and needing people question that does he go the Melbourne way, but. So far, when he has gone clockwise, he's looked a completely different horse than when he has gone anti-clockwise. So that's that's the question mark. Happy to take on Zaki. Happy to take on Very Elegant. Happy to take on two champions. So this might leave me with egg in my face, but I'm taking the up-and-coming champion in Animo. Anyway, we're going to move on now to the JC Trial Files once again this week. Uh, winner last week, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Mr. T came over the... Didn't even come over the top. He um, led from the front at Narramine. Nice drift there. Got 360 top tote. So very happy with that. Uh, don't know how many winners in a row that has been. Maybe three, maybe four. Who knows? But it doesn't really matter because we want to get the fifth one this week at Kimberley Grange on Saturday. Race one, number five, Sacrimony. Um, I think I've identified a bit of a pattern here with the Chris Waller trained runners. What he's been doing recently, he's been giving his gallopers two trials. Then he's been giving them six to 12 weeks off, give or take. And then one trial into race day. I've seen this happen twice so far since I've been watching trials very closely. And he's done it with horses such as Abel Willie and Espiona, who, in my opinion, will both be, I think they'll both be group one horses in time. I'll be surprised if at least one of them will have to win a group one race. I think I'm probably leaning more towards Espiona currently. But he's done that to those horses. I've been all over those horses. This galloper has the exact same setup as those I thought his trials have been very good, in particular his last one on wet tracks. Currently a soft seven at Kembla, obviously a bit of drying out to do, but we probably will fit, remain on soft five type surface. He's bred to get over more distance, which is the one concern. His mother won over around 2,100 metres. However, 1,200 metres might be a bit short judging off his trial, but it's a very nice starting point. It's not an overly strong race. We've got Grant Buckley on board. He's drawn very well. And yeah, I just think he'd be very hard to beat. Not sure what price we'll get. Hopefully... Hopefully two fifty three dollars. I I take something like that. But yeah, that that's my um trial file for this Saturday. Kembla Grange, race one number five, Sacramony. Blake HK, what do you got for us, buddy? Yes, sir. Uh, last night was was pretty good. We had Stormtrooper getting up as the best bet, and we had two other uh, placings at, at good odds. So uh, that was nice to get a result last night. And we look to Sunday now. Um, it's a it's an all right card. It's a nice card. Uh, we had the the big group group races uh, last Sunday, and last Sunday was just littered with shit rides and hard luck stories. Um, <laughs> I'm not usually one to uh, to pot jockeys and you know have a whinge, but 
man, there was some, there was some bad rides and some real hard luck stories um, in, especially some of the big races last Sunday, but um, looking to this Sunday, there are a few horses who are really, really uh, talented and well on the up. Um, namely master eight, who has won both of his starts so far in Hong Kong. He's going to be ridden by Joe Moreira. Uh, he's trained by Frankie Law. He ride, he runs in race eight. Uh, that's number five, Master Eight. So he's it's it's a good field. Um, it's a field full of some up and coming horses. Uh, excellent chariot won his last start. He's going pretty well. The Golden Scenery ran second to Master Eight last time. So I'm not sure what price we'll get for Master Eight. I think it'll be pretty short. Probably odds on. It, it, it honestly would surprise me if Master Eight was bigger than two dollars opening. Um, so I'm not sure yet whether uh, that's going to be worth taking or not. I haven't looked at the race enough to know. Um, but he's probably one that's going to be extremely, extremely hard to beat. His trial leading up to the start of this season uh, was equally as good as his two wins last season. So he's definitely the one to beat in that race. And then in race nine. Marrera's aboard another Frankie Law trained horse who ran second on debut. And I actually mentioned him on this podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, his name's Five Elements, number three. Uh, on debut, he ran second to, I uh, believe it was uh, Packing Victory, who's uh, the undefeated runner from David Hayes' stable. He ran second to that horse and Packing Victory led all the way to win. And Five Elements was sort of fifth, fourth, um, sort of buried uh, behind other runners. And when he got out, he took off a lot of ground uh, from packing victory and he made it, made it quite close. So I think he only lost by about a head. Uh, he's got Gar he's got barrier three uh, this time. So he's well drawn again. He'll get a rails run behind uh, the leader. You know, he might be, he might be two pairs back the rail or something like that, but uh, I believe we're on the C course on Sunday. We are, we're on the C course. So the rail's out, the rail's out almost max. And what happens is usually the horses come around the turn and they swing wide. They kind of come off the rail and you get more gaps when you're on the C course coming around the turn than you do on the A course where it's not as tight and every horse can just kind of hug the rail coming around the turn. So I expect five elements to get the gap in race nine. And I think it'll be a better price in master eight will be in race eight. Um, I think, that might be a handy little multi to take in race eight and nine with Marrera on both of them. But uh, if I had to lean one way early, I'd say five elements would probably get a better price. And uh, it looks an easier race than, you know, coming up against packing victory first, uh, first up. So that's five elements in race, uh, race nine, number three. Beautiful. Thanks for that. Blake, we've got to head to Randwick now on Saturday, the track conditions, weather and bias currently, Currently, the weather on Saturday will be 25 degrees. The rail is out eight meters. Uh, we're predicted to have one to five millimeters to drop on Saturday. However, it's later in the day, so we should miss it. Fingers crossed it doesn't come early in the day because it could obviously rain on race day always causes a bit of havoc. The track's currently a good four. However, once again, we have seen in Sydney recently when it is very hot and sunny. The, the track can obviously improve to a good three. Uh, any bias from you, Blake? Um, well, the only, the only kind of thing of note for me is we're third week straight now racing at Ramwick. Um, so that's going to come into play. I'm not sure where the rail is, but um, yeah, I 
I'd be very surprised if there was any sort of rail bias. If anything, it would just be even or favouring horses off the rail potentially. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. We'll move to the only race that we'll be covering. It's race nine, the invitation over the 1,400 metres. Um, I've dubbed it Sydney's fake group one for this week. $2 million in prize money. I think that's on par with Maticato and almost on par with the Cox Plate. So ridiculous money in Sydney as always. Sydney siders know what they're doing. PVL, the absolute goat, is just pumping money into the Sydney races. They're not even called group one races, but they technically are. Um, currently, the New Zealand mayor on trivia is a three-dollar favourite. Blake, is that justifiable? Uh, for me, I don't like. To, uh, I'm I'm not going to take a trivia at two dollars ninety. Um, I think there there's definitely a little bit of room to move um, to drift with that price, especially from from gate eleven. Um, I'm happier to take or I'm more comfortable taking the $8 for Ice Bath, who at, at worst ran just as well as Intrivia did uh, the last time they met. So, yeah, I, I think either Ice Bath should be shorter or Intrivia should be a little bit longer odds um but yeah whichever way you look at it i'm i'm more comfortable personally taking the the odds of ice bath at eights and then on trivia at two dollars ninety um i think you disagree a little bit jason yes i disagree uh maybe a little bit more than a little bit but <laughs> um i do agree with you in saying that on trivia probably has to drift from that price i don't think she can start any shorter um, I think we'll probably get around mid threes on race day, around 350, 360. Uh, however, I'm very happy to be with her. I'm going to stick with her here um, or maybe jump back on board. Actually, I was against her second up. Um, however, I thought that run second up was the run she needed to have. It was on a leader dominant track at Rose Hill. She drew barrier nine. She was a tardy out. She sat wide. She came wide. Uh, she actually ran the fastest last 600 metres of the race. I think it was a very impressive run on a day where, as I just said, it was leader dominant um, and rails dominant in general. We saw in the Congo beats Animo in that Golden Rose. It was Golden Rose day. Um, I think this is her grand final race, whereas Ice Bar's grand final race was definitely the Doncaster. Uh, sorry, the Epsom. Definitely the Epsom. Because that race, the Golden Pendant, when they faced each other, and I do agree, I do concede that Ice Bath was as good as on trivia that day. However, it was just a race to get her into the Epsom on the lightweight, little seven-day backup. They do it all the time, Bradwood at the team with her. Um, and I think she, I think from the barrier point of view in this race, I think she's the big loser. She's a horse that I think I've said time and time again, when she can draw in and search for runs, she's much better suited, whereas her drawing wide, going back, trying to loop a field, just doesn't work for her in my opinion. And we saw that. We saw that uh, transpire in the Epsom where Robbie Dolan did draw wide. He did go back and he wasn't confident to go around the outside with her and have that long sustained run. Whereas Private Eye was literally head and head with her at the turn. And he did do that. Uh, Regan Bayless did do that in Private Eye. So it just tells me that Ice Bath, well, I already know this myself. I know Ice Bath doesn't have a long sustained run. She's, she's quite small. She has a very sharp sprint. She can probably she can she can probably be at top speed for about three hundred meters. Where I think on trivia as a horse that actually does 
appreciate a wide barrier where she can work into it. We saw it at Kembla Grange. was quite a fast tempo that day. And she was just getting better the longer that race went. Um, I think Tommy Berry on board, he'll know what to do. He's cool, calm, collected. With James McDonald and obviously Hugh Bowman going down to um, Melbourne to ride their respective mounts on Cox Plate Day, he's the best jockey in Sydney by quite some time, in my opinion. Probably Jason Collette's probably the other one. But Tommy Berry, um, he's got to fill up. Good luck to you, Tommy. I know you listen. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I, wish, I wish he does. Come on, Tommy. Um, but, yeah, so I'm with on trivia. Yeah, Blake. Any other runners here at odds that you can, um, I guess, direct the punters into? Um, yeah, so, well, my general take on this race has just been to kind of look for a little bit of value. Uh, like I said, I'm just taking Ice Bath purely on the fact that she ran similarly to on Trivia last time Last time they met. She draws wide. If she if she goes around them, uh, I think that she has the ability to be in the finish, especially on her last run in the Doncaster. So uh, Ice Bath for me. And then the other two that I just wanted to mention, Tricky Gal ran well first up. I actually really, really liked that run from, from gate 13. And what I did like about it particularly was that she jumped on terms with the field. I, I actually love seeing this. This is probably one of my favorite uh, kind of indicators uh, before I back a horse watching, watching their last start replay. Tricky Gal drew gate 13 really, really wide, jumped on terms with the rest of the field and was then restrained back to last. I love seeing that before a horse draws gate one, like it's the ideal gate now where I know that Tricky Gal can jump on terms again, but doesn't have to go back to last to get a a soft run. She can actually sit probably behind the leaders. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. And she's done it before in her career uh, over the 1400 meters. uh, I'm pretty sure last prep she did a few times where she sat sort of fourth, fifth, so from gate one, I can see Tricky Gal sitting a lot closer than she did last time. And on that run, uh, that was a huge, huge finish. So if she can put something up like that again, if she gets a gap late, I think she's one that's um, that's overs for me uh, on that. And then the other one that I just wanted to mention quickly was Rock O'Clock. Um, I think the market's disrespecting Rock O'Clock a bit. Some of her, some of her runs and wins uh, just sort of all through her career have been really, really good. Um, and although the first up run wasn't sort of anything uh, that amazing, the second up record for this mare is much, much better than the first up record. Um, and the step up to the 1400 metres would be nice. She's drawn well. Um, and John O'Shea, you always have to respect the, the stable. The, he's, he always has his horses going well. So um, that's just one at odds that I want to mention. But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm more focused on Tricky Gal and Ice Bath. Yeah, I can agree with Rock O'Clock there just before we wrap things up and go on to some other um, segments. But uh, yeah, I think Rock O'Clock, I think this is the target race, obviously, it's a $2 million <laughs> mayor's race. So if it isn't a target race for most trainers, then they've got bloody um, no brains. So um, <laughs> I think Rock O'Clock, great second up record. And the difference with her, this preparation is she's actually at 1,400 metres second up. I think 1,600 metres, she's been 1,600 metres in the last two preparations second up. And she's mm. just been a bit vulnerable late whereas in her two runs second up previous to that she won at 1400 meters obviously in 70 company and she won at 1300 meters in 78 company so obviously she needs to step up and you got to you know take things with a grain of salt you can't just look at things for what they are and you got to look a bit deeper into them but yes yeah, so i can agree with rock o'clock and i might have a little bit of a save on her if i do decide to bet in the race uh we're going to our 
$100 viewers competition last week, Blake, both viewers won. How good was that? Um, Bloody rippers. Yeah. Mitchell Atkinson, my guy, nature's trip. I heard Mitchell from uh, North Korea. I was watching the races and Mitchell was giving out the fucking Yahoo. So um, he was very <laughs> excited. I got a bit of a FaceTime from Mitchell after Nate's hit one and he always looked like he's got a bloody, bloody have a heart attack. He's been waiting for that horse. <laughs> waiting for that horse in the Everest since Red Zell on the Everest. So good on the boys for that. Wish I was there, but oh well, maybe next year. And Joshy Harrison, my guy, once again, he was asking me, he's like, he's like, it's, oh, it's probably too short, but I'm like, oh, come on, Josh, you got to get a winner, mate. And he tipped incentivized and probably the winner of the day. So well done, Josh, on the money once again. So that changes things at the top. We have a little bit of a shift in the top three currently. We have Harry sitting first. Been there forever, Harry. He's uh, first with $420. Cody's second with 390 And unfortunately, Harrison gets pushed back to the reserves and Mitch comes in to third with 370 to his kitty. Josh, unfortunately, missed out and sent the prize zone pain, I think 260 um, SP. So he's got 260 in the bank, but we'll see what we do with people that have actually returned a profit. We might give them a little consolation prize. Regardless, we've got three new people joining us this week. Daisy Thomas, my guy, Dale Thomas. He's got $100 the win on Lombardo and the Manicado. And shout out Let's to go. you. Shout out to you, Mr. Thomas. He was the one who sent in that Thunderstruck thing a couple of weeks ago. No, 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 no. But anyway, we, we love Thomas. And, and yeah, D- Dale was telling me just um, he didn't want to back a favorite here or a short price horse. He said, however, he didn't have the balls to tip something else because this is the weakest edition of the Manicado he's ever seen in his life. So there you go, Dale. I got that in for you. Uh, Reese Boltman, my guy, once again, he's got $100 on Very Elegant to win the Cox Plate. So that's exactly what you want, Blake, isn't it? Yes, sir. Lombardo and Very Elegant. I've got that multi running already. So give yeah. him strength. Race is on the Monday. And we got Cole Potter to finish it out. The Victorian, strong Victorian blood here. Cole Potter and our Fraser back, the two, the two legends down there in Victoria. He's got $100 to win on Vangelic in the invitation. Um, so I guess if any of those three horses get up, we've got to have massive changes in the top three. So watch out to you guys in the top three because we've got uh, a few CG tragics about to be launching on, on those um, late in the piece. However, we've got to head to our own competition, Blake. And speaking about launching late in the piece, look at me come. I'm flying. <laughs> I'm still in the red, but I'm flying. I'm flying. Uh, I'm minus $272 and you are minus $140. We're going to be covering three races yeah. this week. Um, I, think, I think the last few weeks I've just been heading closer to the red than you have to the green. <laughs> yes. yes. But, um... <laughs> uh, I've been steady. I've been steady. I've been very consistent. Uh, I haven't been losing money. Um, so I've been happy with my work. I'm just, I'm, I'm planning to pip you late. We've only got like two or three episodes left. So, um, however, this is moving week for me. I've looked at the tips with anti each other this week, which is the first time in a long time we've been very anti. Um, so Blake, start off the Manicado. What do you got to have your hundred dollars on? Uh, well, I've already spoken about it enough. I'm having 60 to win on Lombardo. I think he's the one to beat. Um, and 20 each way on Express Pass will be the one finishing off late. Uh, I'm just going to stick with the Queensland theme. The Queensland has got to infiltrate Victoria and we're going to have another winner for Tony Gollan, the great Gollan, $50 each way on Jonka. Blake, Cox Plate? 60 to win on Very Elegant. She's going to bounce back off that uh, that subpar run last time. Got 10 each way on Mawunga and 10 each way on Probabil. Blue Army, all the way, $100 on the nose of the three-year-old Colts. Animo, 49 and a half kilos on his back, drawn barrier 10. He's got to go whooshka around the bend. 
Blake invitation. 30 to win, uh, 30 each way on Ice Bath and 20 each way on Tricky Gal. So I'm looking for a little bit of value in this race. What are you going with? Kiwis. We love the Kiwis here. <laughs> New Zealand mare for Tiakau Racing on Trivier. 100 on the nose. She is going to absolutely blitz them down the outside. I'm very confident this week. I don't know why. So but a bit, 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 bit jittery, bit jittery. Yeah, you got your neck out on the chopping board for this week, Jason. Oh, um, be, uh... <laughs> I've said Lombardo can't win. I've said Very Elegant can't win. I've said Zaki can't win. And I've also, yeah, I, 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 I might be off to the abattoirs after uh, after this weekend. Yeah, eh? <laughs> I, I haven't been gilded yet, but I think I might deserve it. <laughs> Uh, I might, I think I might deserve a guilding if um if things don't go well this week. But um this is moving week for me. This is this is the penultimate event in my opinion. Whoever wins this week, I reckon wins the hundred dollar competition between me and you, Blake. Um mm. anyway, just before we wrap things up, any best bets, Blake? Can we go two from two again? That's what I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, there's actually we might, go two need... two. we might go three from three this week by looks of it. Well, yeah, I was just going to say uh, <laughs> I might need a little bit of advice from uh, from the man himself, Jace, because I'm tossing up between two uh, two runners here. Throw them um, the both, way out. I would probably... Throw them both hey? out there. Throw them both out there. All right, all right let's go. We'll, 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 uh, we'll multi them up. We'll multi them up. What's it? Let's see what the multi's paying. Five to one. We've got $6.60. So yeah. we're having race seven, race eight, double, uh, running double at, at Randwick. So race seven, Number three, Zarek. Uh, remember, Jason, both of us were, were confident in him last uh, last time when he drew well. Um, he only finished 1.5 lengths off Montefilio, who won the race. Um, and I think this is a much, much easier race for him. He's drawn wide, but I think he should be the one to beat off that last run. Um, the one I'm more confident in is Halal in race eight. Uh, I was on him last time at almost double figures. And given what I saw from him in the yard last time, I think, you know, I, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't be improving again. Now stepping up to, you know, the mile, getting that extra hundred meters, this race is just not, it's just not quality at all. Really. Like he already beat coast watching uh, Coda Healy fair and square. The, there's no sort of weight swings or anything like that. Tommy Berry's on again. There, it doesn't really look like there's anything, um, that's sort of in this race that could potentially beat Halal for me. So my official best bet's going to be Halal this week. Um, but I'm also, yeah, I'm also going to have a mention on Zarek, who I think will be hard to beat as well. Uh, where are you going, Jace? Kembla Grange, sticking with the TFs, the trial files. I think I'm eight from nine on this on this podcast. So we're looking to go nine from 10. Um, as I said, Saturday, Kembla Grange, race one, number five, Sacramony. Chris Waller, bit of magic dust before the race. Get it home, baby. All right, that's, that's about it, Blake. We're going to wrap things up. Um, just want to quickly say, Campbell's Gambles or CG Insider, whatever you want to call us, we have a special Friday Manicado preview included in our Saturday package this week. So we're going for five straight winning weeks. Uh, no, we've had five straight winning weeks, sorry. We're going for the six straight winning Saturday this week, um, which is just phenomenal, insane. That have been going really well. Hopefully, touch wood, we can go good once again. Join us on our website, cginsight.com.au. Follow our social medias at Campbell's Gambles on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok if you haven't already. Thank you to everyone that has. And um, listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to the package, you must have rocks in your head because if you if you if you're tipping winners five weeks in a row and you're making people money, mate, come on, man. It's a no-brainer. Like, I don't know what more I can do. We provide free tips. <laughs> we provide free tips on 
on Wednesdays. They win on Wednesdays. They win on Fridays. The Sniper's been winning. The Dogfire's been winning. The Hero's been winning. Everyone's been winning for free. The NBA, MCG, Michael Gambles has, has won today. Two from two, first down the job. Like, how good is MCG going? And, yeah, five straight winning weeks. The podcast, Best Bets, have bloody been winning every week. The Trial Fire's been winning every single week. Guys, $29.95. You can't send your no bro. brain off. If anything, no if anything, you're getting a return for your money, unlike Tom Waterhouse. So, um, <laughs> so join the package, gentlemen and ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, that's about it, Blake. Plans for this Saturday? Don't ask me that. You know what? You know what the answer is. <laughs> In the room, on the you know exactly day. what I'll be doing on Friday on. night. Friday night, <laughs> he'll be on the Friday night. He'll be watching the bloody the the, the Manicato night. Then he'll be watching the bloody I. Um, what is it? The, the T20 World Cup um, preview games on now, <laughs> and then Blake will be doing Formula One or some shit. Probably have like the fucking I don't even know what they have on, but and then he'll be ready, gearing up for a big Saturday of racing, as will I, as will the listeners. So best yeah. of luck, best of luck over the weekend, guys. Can't wait for this one. Almost at Grand Final day, big semi final on Friday and Saturday. See ya.